Hello and welcome to livealittlehigher.com. This week we continue learning Pirkeavot, Ethics of the Fathers, and we're in chapter 4, Mishnah 20, in which Rabbi, Rabbi Messiah ben Harash says, Initiate a greeting to every person and be a tail to lions rather than a head to foxes. So this is a, a very interesting wording that he uses in this Mishnah uh, and it lends itself to another interpretation which was given by Rabbi Jacob Yosef of Pulna in which he would say that by Rabbi Masiah ben Harash uh, saying initiate a greeting to every person like be the first one to go and say hello don't wait for people to come and say hi to you when you enter a room, go and say hello. Don't sit there and wait. What uh, Rabbi Yaakov Yosef of Pulna means is initiate peace with peace. Initiate peace with everybody. Because a person that comes into a room, extends his hand and says hello to another person, in, in, immediately the other person feels that there, there's a peace between the two of them. When people don't come into a room and are the first to say hello and they're waiting for people to approach them, it can come to an interpretation that maybe that person is upset with me, maybe that person doesn't want to say hi to me. It gives, uh, it gives uh, that, uh, that ability to be able to distort the truth. So it says, if you have been involved in a dispute with someone, do not wait for the other party to make overtures or of reconciliation, but rather be yourself the, one, the first one to come and, and make amends with a person. Initiating peace may come at a price of swallowing one's pride. Most people don't approach the other person first because, you know, they're proud. I'm right, he's wrong, he, he wronged me, he made me feel bad, he's the one that should come to me, why should I go first, he's the one that should come to me. So this should not be permitted to restrain one from initiating the process, like be humble. The whole Torah is there to teach us not to be haughty. It's there to teach us to be humble people. And our heritage is replete with anecdotes of our Torah personalities who sought peace at virtually any price. Like we see, there's a story of the wife of Rabbi Yom Tov Lipman who was publicly humiliated by another woman and uh, she did it in front of everybody and this is a grave sin because you cannot bring shame to someone in front of people like when their blood comes up to, you, up to their face they become red in the face it's like you killed somebody because they were they were shamed so uh, when this lady did this to the wife of Rabbi Yom Tov Lipman the leaders of the community were like beyond themselves, the community was uh, beyond themselves, uh, and they wished to penalize the later for her arrogance, they, everybody was very upset with her. And um, so uh, it says here, however, no such action could be taken without the rabbi's approval. So the wife of Rabbi Yom Tov Litman, she would, they, nobody would do anything without this rabbi's approval. Knowing that that rabbi would not pay any heed to them, they asked the rabbi's wife to go and tell the husband what, how this lady had offended her and to take some kind of action of chastisement towards this woman. So the rabbi's wife waited for the proper time to come up to her husband.
husband and she waited several days until she approached her husband and she said to the husband uh, she told him what had happened that this lady had uh, humiliated her in public and that they, everybody was beyond themselves and they wanted to chastise her and the, and the answer of the rabbi this very holy rabbi Lipman uh, said and you have been harboring a grudge against her for several days how could you do that you know that in our prayer every night when we say uh, when we say the Kriyat Shema when we're ready to go to sleep the, the first thing we say in this prayer is that we forgive anybody that ha might have wronged us. We never go to sleep upset at anybody. We always forgive someone before we go to sleep. And how could you have retained this resentment so long? The rabbi was beyond himself. How could his wife be resentful of this lady? You must know, now go and ask this woman forgiveness. Now you have to go and ask her for forgiveness because you have harbored resent resentment towards her for such a long time. And in the Torah it says you cannot uh, hate your fellow in silence. Like you cannot hold a grudge against anybody. This is not the right thing. So the rabbi's wife did as, the, as he suggested and when she apologized to this woman because she had been harboring resentment towards her that lady started crying and she also asked forgiveness because of the way she had treated her in public that she felt very bad so you see we go we lower ourselves we make ourselves small it, it doesn't matter if that the other person was right or that other person was wrong it's it's it, that's not what it's important it's not who's right that's not the question here, it's who's right. It's, are we, do, do we want to be happy people? Do we really want to be people that live with peace of mind and we live with love in our hearts? Or do we want to hold resentment because we think we're right? So we, we could easily have, have been able to justify the rabbi's wife waiting for the other woman to recognize her her errant behavior and apologize but by taking the initiative peace was quickly restored and there was no harm feelings so the city of slonim there's another story there was a man who brazenly violated shabbat publicly he was always violating shabbat publicly and in those days like it was unheard of of people not keeping Shabbat in this city. So Rabbi Mordechai Rosenblatt repeatedly warned the man to desist from public, publicly desecrating Shabbat. He says, like, go into your house, do whatever you want, but don't do it in front of everybody. It's, it's not right. You cannot be uh, defiant and rebellious. And, and, uh, and the rabbi excommunicated him because of his behavior. So in anger, the man came to the rabbi's house and threatened him with a revolver. The members of the household subdued him and called the police, who arrested him. When the man came to trial, Rabbi Mordechai came to the court to plead for clemency for this man. So this is a person that is in such a holy state, like, you know, this guy, he misbehaved, poor guy. Look where he is, look who I am. I, I, I am I and he is he and, and you know what I don't know what's going in his head so he went and he asked clemency for this man so for our Torah personalities who were humble as they were great it was hardly a sacrifice to set aside their ego uh, so they could restore peace in their in their lives so they sought to appease anyone who offended him and the Talmud relates that Rabbi Meir 
enthralled his audiences with his exposition of the Torah, on the Torah. And one time a woman tarried into a house of study to listen to Rabbi Meir. He used to give all the shooting. And this caused her to delay her husband's supper. So this lady came to listen to a shiur and when she came home, she came late and the husband was hungry and the, and, the, and, the, and the food was not ready and he became furious and I will not allow you to set food in this house until you spit on Rabbi Meyer's face. Imagine what a crazy husband, but okay. So the enraged husband said that this uh, said to her, "Until you don't spit into Rabbi Meyer's face, you cannot come back to the house." So this this rot woman left her home, and several weeks had passed when Rabbi Meyer learned of this. He learned that his wife had left her home, so he sought out the woman and said, "I have been affected by an ayin hara, the spell of of, of an evil eye." This can be removed only if someone will spit at me seven times. So could you do me this favor? Then when the woman complied, Rabbi Meir said to her, go tell your husband that you did even more than what he demanded, that you spit on me seven times. So Rabbi Meir's students asked whether he was not diminishing respect for the Torah, like how could such a holy rabbi ask a woman to come and spit in, her eye, in his eye? And, and be so effaced and the, and the rabbi said when, uh, when there was um, uh, the sota when there was a husband would think that his wife would, was unfaithful to him he would bring her to the Kohen and, and he the Kohen would write a portion of the Torah and erase it even though erasing the, the divine name is um, constitute a sinful desecration of holiness. So God prefers to erase his name than there be not peace between a husband and a wife. So this is why Rabbi Meir said, shall I be different than what Hashem uh, expects of, a, of, of peace in a home? So he acted accordingly. He acted like Hashem would act. He was completely uh, acting in the image of Hashem. So we begin each day with the introductory prayers in which we recite a portion of the Talmud that lists those mitzvot for which one is rewarded during his lifetime as well as in heaven. Among these mitzvot are restoring peace between a husband and a wife and, uh, and, and between a man and a fellow. So to bring peace between two people is one of the highest, highest mitzvahs there can be. This is why Aaron HaKohen was so loved. Because when a couple would fight, or two friends would be fighting, he would go to one of them and says, you know, so, such and such, he misses you so much. She cries to me every day that she misses you. And then she would go to her and she would say, you know, your husband has been telling me how much he misses you. He really loves you. He feels so bad for what he said. And he would go one to the other and, 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 and sweeten their ears. The moment the couple would see each other or the friend would see each other they would embrace and cry and just make peace so the author of this Mishnah Rabbi Messiah emphasized the halakhic principle that one must violate the sacred Shabbat in order to save a life uh, in this Mishnah his concern with restoring peace at all costs as Rabbi Meir said is consistent with this concept of incomparable value of a human being so the Torah is, is very much into the value of a person and his feelings. And because of this, all these efforts are done in the name of peace. So then the Mishnah says at the end, it says, and, and it's better 
to be the tail to lions than rather to be the head of, a fo of foxes. So in the Torah literature, the lion symboli symbolizes not Ramite, but rather the strength of being a master of oneself. This is what the lion symbolizes, that you are able to, to master your emotions, as we see in the Mishnah in the next chapter, be as strong as a lion to do the will of your heavenly father. In the Talmudic parables, the fox is always lion cunning. So the, the fox is like the Yetzer Hara. It's always trying to get to us. So the teaching of this Mishnah is that one should associate with people who are masters of themselves and who subdue their physical desires rather than with those who use cunning to circumvent the Torah. So it's better to be the tail of a, of a holy person, like be a student of a holy person, to be always trying to reach that place and trying to learn from him and trying to learn the ways of God than to be a, the head of something that is not uh, righteous. So the later half of this Mishnah can be seen as the extension of Rabbi Messiah's first statement, the reference of being a tail rather than a head. A leader is an instruction to those who may seek to bolster a sagging self-esteem by assuming a position of domination over their inferiors. There is a Yiddish folk saying that says, what makes a little child happy Sorry, what, ma what makes a little child happy? Seeing another child who is smaller than himself. So when a little child sees someone that is smaller than himself, it makes him happy. As with so many other folks saying, this contains an important psychological insight. The child who feels dwarfed by all the giant adults in his environment is delighted when he can feel himself taller than someone else. We're the same. When we feel that we're better than someone else, that makes us hop happy, right? So similarly, people who think poorly of themselves may seek to associate with people who are, uh, to whom they can feel superior. And that's why they end up uh, being with people who are not better than them. They try to be with people that are less than them so they can feel better about themselves. But the Mishnah, what it's telling us is it's the other way around. It doesn't matter if you feel small, it's better that you're surrounded by people who are better than you. Because if you're surrounded by people that are better than you, you're gonna strive to be better every day. You know, I remember when I used to be a tennis player in my younger years, eh, we always tried to play with people who were better than us. We didn't like to play, or in general, the tennis players don't like to play with people who are uh, uh, who play not as good as them. They prefer to play with people who are better than them, because this makes a person uh, try to be better. When you are with people who are in a high level, this is where you are uh, aiming to be. But when you're surrounded by people who are worse than you, then you, you're, you don't have room to grow. So I want to wish you well. I wish you a happy Purim, a Friday Lech Purim, and remember, live a little higher. Thank you.